the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. All right, guys, welcome to the Mess It Up Podcast. I am your host, as always. We are here with show 291. It is fall. We are living in Oldies in October for our song of the week, so we'll have one of those later. And uh, we're coming to you from the beautiful island of Hawaii. I'm at my daughter's house, sitting in my grandson's bedroom, so I apologize. A lot of times when I do shows here in these rooms, it gets a little echoey, but we apologize for the sound. Hope you will uh, just bear with us as we go through this. I don't want anyone to excoriate me, and excoriate is our word of the week this week. Uh, excoriate means to uh, severely criticize someone. So please don't excoriate me for any mistakes. Remember, this is the Mess It Up podcast. We take messes, turn them into messages. So the mess is on brand, if you think about it. Uh, so, and wow, I just noticed I, I came to Hawaii here and I'm looking over at my microphone. My microphone got a big dent on it when I put it in the, the luggage. So brand new mic with a huge dent. So that's a mess too. I guess it's on brand as well. Uh, people, uh, I know you want to get a hold of me with your ideas for shows and uh, songs of the week and whatnot. You can do that by sending me a text at 760-608-1942. You can also email me at bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com. Those are the best ways to get a hold of me. If you want to become part of Project Nehemiah, help us rebuild the walls of our building and get into the walls of the prisons in California, you can do it with a simple text. You text the word MUM to 760-WALLS-CA, that's 925-5722, that'll take you to our text to give, and you can help us uh, do prison ministry and uh, take care of families that are on inside and outside, so we really appreciate all of our, our donors. It would be really difficult to do this without you people, you really make it easy for our lives to happen and for the ministry to keep on going on, so thank you very much. I am going to wrap it up with that right now because it's time for our guest. I, I have a, a friend that I've been wanting to have on for a long time. First time I heard this guy, he didn't, he, I met him before he met me because I heard him talk uh, many, many years ago. It's probably been 15 years ago that I heard him talk at a conference down in Orange County. And so I want to welcome James into the show. Welcome, James. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you. Um, I wanted to, you know, the not the reason, but one of the main reasons that I do what I do with prison fellowship and with uh, prison ministry is because of James. He was very influential in creating a lot of the stuff that I do. If he hadn't done the work he did, I would have to be doing the work he did so that someone else could do the work that I'm doing. So James is my, my, uh, my ground layer for sure. And uh, he helped get me involved with a lot of the programs that I do now. So I'm really indebted to that. But James, I wanted to have you come in and just share your story with the guys. So uh, take it away. I appreciate that. Well, my story started, uh, I was a, uh, born in Connecticut and um, grew up in the 60s. Um, I um, actually, my recovery story is where I need to start because I started drinking when I was 15 years old. Um, um, my family were social drinkers, but uh, come soon to learn that my dad was pretty much an alcoholic, a functioning alcoholic. Um, so he taught me how to drink in the old days. Um, uh, it was there was booze around the house all the time. My uncle was a liquor salesman, so we had, you know, stocks of hard liquor around. So I started real early. 
Um, to fast forward, uh, I went through high school, um, you know, working uh, and, and drinking a lot and partying. Uh, didn't do drugs then, but then in 1969, I got uh, drafted into the uh, military. Uh, it was uh, during the Vietnam War. And what happened there was I, I called it the bingo, the lottery. Uh, I, I got my number pulled and, and I made a deal with myself and another friend of mine that if we did get drafted, uh, we would enlist in the Air Force. Um, so I enlisted in the Air Force a week later and went to a boot camp um, in Texas. Uh, and then, you know, did various things throughout boot camp and went to schools. And then when I got into uh, my first tour of duty in California, I started doing drugs. That's where I started doing drugs um, in Sacramento area. Uh, so I never stopped drinking, but I started doing drugs. And um, I was in the military in Sacramento where they um, all of a sudden the, the military got a little bit smarter than we were and decided to do some drug testing. So they <laughs> tested us. They did some drug testing. And there was about 200 of us failed the test on the base. Wow. And I don't think they knew how to handle that. So so what happened was um, they only had AA an, an active AA going on, on base. So they made us all go to AA. Plus, we had the drug test every week. So um, I went to AA not because I wanted to, but because I had to. So that was pretty much ineffective for me. Uh, but, but I did learn about the steps and it started sinking in a little bit, but it still didn't, didn't stop me from, from my recovery. Um, so fast forwarding from that part of my life, uh, I, I got discharged. I, I did complete the program and I got discharged, uh, but I was still messing with, you know, after I got out, I was still drinking a lot and messed with drugs a lot again. Um, so I came down to Bakersfield, some friends of mine uh, that I lived with off base up there were temporarily there for, for working for the newspaper, local newspaper. So they moved back to Bakersfield and I, I came with them, uh, ended up uh, working down here, going to school, but I was still doing a lot of drinking and, 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 and heavy drug use. Um, but I was pretty functional with it. Um, <clears throat> I met my wife, uh, Deborah, who we've been married now for 40, 48 years um, in uh, March. And um, started going to church with her. Um, I was invited to, uh, she was pretty active, but I, I didn't want to go. I mean, I knew who God was through my growing up with uh, in the Catholic church, but I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ at that time. And um, so I was invited, she was invited to a picnic, church picnic at uh, North Ice Baptist Church. And um I said, okay, I'll go to the picnic, but I'm not going to church, that kind of thing. Uh, so I went to the picnic and really had a good time, met a lot of neat people. And then at the picnic, they, they were announcing that they were going to start a uh, church softball team. So I told the pastor and one of the leaders of the church, I said, okay, I'll go to play softball, but I'm not going to your church. Um, so long story short, how God use that whole softball thing. There were six of us that ended up getting saved from playing softball. My goodness. Ended up going to that church and getting baptized. Uh, and that's when everything started to change in my life. Um, through that process, my wife was pretty much getting tired of me still doing drink, you know, drinking and doing the drugs. 
Um, so I'd love to sit here and say that recovery programs got me through my drug use, but it didn't. It was one day I just, God woke me up one night and said, I just said, I'm done with this. Um, so I completely just cold stopped doing my drug problem. Wow. Uh, it just, it just happened that way. And I know not a lot of people go through that. Um, but I still hung on to my drinking. Drinking was harder to get rid of for me than drugs was. So, um, I looked at, um, started going, you know, more to church, getting more involved. Um, and then we were invited to go down in 1997 to, um, and I'm fast forwarding a lot here, but 1997, uh, I was invited to go down to Saddleback to a, uh, church conference where they were announcing a program called Celebrate Recovery. Uh, this was in, uh, yeah, 97. So that was our, that was my first exposure to Celebrate Recovery and, and even Saddleback Church. At that time, prior to that, I, I need to back up. I did stop drinking. I finally kicked all of it. Uh, in, in, in 1978, actually, I stopped doing everything and started, you know, building my life back up and repairing the damage that I caused with drugs and alcohol. So, um, went down to Saddleback and, and went to this, it was at that time, Celebrate Recovery didn't have a conference. It was a workshop. It was a breakout. So we went to the breakout and I just, God just immediately touched my heart and my wife's heart about, Hey, we want to do this program. We want to be involved in this. So we took it back to Bakersfield, what we learned. And for five years, we could not get a church to help us launch it. So we, we kind of did it on our own through different ministries, but one of the core things that Celebrate Recovery wanted you to do is run it through a church, but we could never get anybody to bite into it till about 2005. Uh, Valley Baptist Church um, asked us to come aboard and start the program. I met one of the pastors through another ministry uh, in Bakersfield, and he asked us, "Hey, we want to start a recovery program. Would you would you think about leading that?" So Debbie and I took that on, and um, again, I'll fast forward. We went. We ran that program at Valley Baptist Church for 15 years. Um, it, it was a great program. It's still running. Uh, but here recently, um, uh, it, I moved churches and moved over to another church called North Heights Baptist, which is the original church that I was saved and baptized in. So I ended up back there. Uh, and they wanted to start a recovery program. So we started another program, which now is called Recovery Live. It's a little bit different. I'll talk a little bit about that in phase two, but one of the things um, that's important too is um, during my time with um, Celebrate Recovery, I was exposed and asked to be a state rep. So I was a state rep for Celebrate Recovery outside for about six years uh, in the Kern County area and Fresno area. Uh, and then I, then after that, I got interested in doing uh, celebrate recovery inside. It was just starting. Uh, Hector Lopez, who was the director at that time, approached me and said, Hey, can we do a seminar in Bakersfield? Because there's a lot of prisons. There's a ton of prisons around here in this valley. And I said, Yeah, let's do it at our church. We did it in our church. And, and I just immediately got pulled into wanting and knowing the Lord wanted me to, to start doing CR inside. Um, it was brand new when it started. I mean, Hector was pretty much ground floor on that. Um, so I started doing that. Then I became a, uh, CRN side rep, which it was new. 
And then over time, I ended up becoming the CR Inside Regional Director uh, for the Western Region. And that's where it, it, it really started expanding. And from that job, um, James Ackerman um, went had a meeting with John Baker at Saddleback about, and James Ackerman was the CEO of Prison Fellowship, which I um, heard that he just did an interview with a podcast. Yeah. Uh, so James Ackerman met with Baker and they signed an agreement in 2017 to start using Celebrate Recovery inside the prisons. Well, John Baker approached me. I was a pretty good friend with John and he approached me and said, would you be the consultant and the liaison between Celebrate Recovery inside and Prison Fellowship to make sure it goes in right? And I said, sure, I'd do that. And um, so I started working with a man named uh, Dan Kingery, who was the VP of programs at Prison Fellowship. And within two weeks of consulting, he offered me a job. And come to find out, Baker kind of set me up on that. He said, hey, they were looking for somebody, and he thought I'd be the guy to do it. So I took the job uh, in, that, in, in, in 2017. And from that point on, I was, um, in, I was responsible for implementing Solvent Recovery Inside in the prison fellowship academies. So that's how my story got started with doing inside work. And I worked closely with James Ackerman in getting that model built up. Uh, and then over time, um, when I finished the, um, the inside project or celebrate recovery inside, I was handling a lot of other partnerships. Um, COVID hit and we were doing everything in a classroom setting during COVID and California Department of Corrections came to me and said, hey, we just realized in our infinite wisdom that we just locked everybody down and we have no more classes. Uh, can you guys do what you do in the classroom digitally through our TV system? And I said, I guess we could. So um, I never thought about that. So I approached our team and we built a team. Long story short, we built a team. And within six months, we had a digital version of all the academy programs including Celebrate Recovery, going through their internet system at all 32 prisons. Mm. Um, and it, God just totally opened the door uh, for, that, for that to happen. And, and as a result of that, we said, hey, if we're doing this here, we have the same problem in a lot of other states that we're running academies there. So we made it a nationwide program. Within, a, within six months to a year, we had um, every state but one running uh, a digital version of our programs, including Celebrate Recovery, and we were reaching over 600,000 inmates with that program. Wow. And it's still running today um, as, as I speak. Um, so that's kind of my story. I, I ended up um, taking a, or an early retirement here about four months ago um, with um, Prison Fellowship, and, and I loved working with them. Um, it, it was a great experience. I learned a ton of stuff. And so uh, I now left that. I took the package and now I'm, I started my own company called Crossworks Resources, which I'll talk about uh, here in the, in the next segment. But um, that's kind of my story. That's how I started. That's how I got into uh, recovery. And that's how I met people like Mr. Paul here. Um, what, what got you interested in prison? Because I always just assume anybody who does prison ministry has a connection with prison either they were in or a family member was in. Uh, what was it that made it so that you devoted so much of your life and ministry work to 
incarcerated people. Well, back back uh, when I when I mentioned about Hector Lozano starting Celebrate Recovery Inside, um, I was invited to go to a local state prison here in Wasco, Wasco State Prison, to go inside and try to get a program started. And so I went in uh, with we we built a team and I had a couple of volunteers go in with me. One was uh, ex uh, felon that was out for 26 years, in for 26 years, that ended up getting cleared and able to go in with me. So we went in in our first meeting. Uh, I met with um, probably about 15, 20 inmates that wanted to do a recovery program that had some experience with recovery with AA or NA, and they were really, that's what started me. I I caught the vision there, and I knew that's where I needed to be. Um, So, um, and and it still was part of, I've always wanted to do recovery ministry. I wanted to stay in recovery, but the inside was where I was really focused on. That was my my focus. So that's where it started. Was back there in Wasco. Yeah. What was was going into Wasco? Was that your first time? I mean, had you ever been arrested, spent the night in a drunk tank, or anything like that? No, I never had any of that. Should have been many times, but never did. God just kind of spared <laughs> me from all that. So yeah, no, I don't have a testimony that says I was inside. Except so, what was that first time in like? It was interesting. It was different. Um, I didn't know what to expect at all. Um, it was kind of more um, nerving for the guy that went with me because. He just got out and got cleared to go in, and he was very nervous as we got closer to the gate. He was very nervous to going in. As a matter of fact, I was talking to myself at one point because I looked back and he was about twenty feet away, not wanting. He, you know, when he heard that initial gate unlock, it yes. kind of scared him. And so, but I t- we we kind of worked him into coming in, and uh, once he got in, he was fine. But um, yeah, I never had that experience, but um, I loved it. I I didn't. I wasn't, you know, fearful about it. I just, just kind of curious about what was going to happen. Uh, and uh, that's, I just got hooked from that point on and been in many prisons and many programs, done groups, uh, been all over the country in prisons and stuff. So it's just been an, an amazing journey that God's brought me through. Yeah. Yeah. That first time I remember when I went for my orientation uh, training, because back when I started, they were doing in-person training. Now they're, it's all online, but we had an orientation that I went to and one of the uh, sergeants took us for a tour, those that wanted to go. And I was like, yeah, I'll do this. And I remember standing at that gate and hearing it open and hearing that, you know, sound was like, you know, it, it just brought everything back in a, a flash. But the thing yep. that was hard for me and it, it took months before I could get used to not walking with my shoulder against the wall over on the sides. They were like, you know, you got to walk in the middle here. I was like, I'm not used to that. I'm used to being yelled at when I walk in the middle. So that was the biggest uh, thing for me was, was getting that. But, you know, yeah, once you get back in, it's it's like getting on a bike. You know, it, it there's a lot of memories and stuff that comes back in. The smell of an institution and, and whatnot never leaves you. But, um, yeah, it's it's been good. And I, I, I'm glad that you did it because you opened all those doors for me to get it done. And uh, it kind of leads us into our, our, our song of the week. Here's my, my awkward transition. Uh, all those things came back to me like an avalanche. And this is Oldies in October, folks, for our Songs of the Week. So this is an oldie by the band Manifest. The song is called Avalanche. We're going to give you about 90 seconds of it. We'll be back on the other side to tell you our thoughts and to talk about uh, crossworks and other things with James. So here's Manifest with Avalanche.
the junk of the mean man, the ghost rider. Hold my soul tight at your home, but take the ropes, I'm a fire plane out of the atmosphere. I'm a deck, this fear, this car's still here. I'm going on to the end, I'm holding on to a friend. I'm going, I'm going, I don't care. I curse the lot, the worst, the black sheep of the lot. Christopher Scott, prepare to meet God. There you go. Manifest from uh, uh, like, I think it was like 2010. That was from James. What did you think of that one? You know, looking at the lyrics, uh, it's a good song. Um, it reminded me of the times I've been in, you know, many groups that I've been in inside um, with, with men uh, in a circle, just talking about their fears or where they're at, you know, what got them there, um, the transition they had to make even in, inside um and also uh there was one line in there it talked about uh living in a shell how they're now living in incarceration in a, in a in a in a cell or in a dorm but yet they're 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 trying to deal with all the stuff that got them there in the first place and and they're and then it leads into the fear part of the song where it talks about you know how afraid they are to um many guys would say i'm afraid when i get out what am I going to do? Yeah. Uh, am I going to relapse? Am I going to do things to get me back in here? You know, what's my life going to be like? What's what's it going to be like with my family now, my kids, you know, once I had to serve this time and stuff. So uh, it, it's a very good song. It relates to a lot of the things I've heard in, in a lot of groups. Yeah. So. And, you know, I look at this and I uh, it, it talks in one point it says fly a plane out of the atmosphere. And I know for me, that's what I, I had to get so far away from everything. You know, people say, oh, you did a complete 360. I said, no, I did a 180. 360, you turn all the way around and you keep going the same direction. You know, I wanted to go, whatever I was doing, I needed to get away from that because all that stuff was was bringing me down. And, you know, when he talks about getting out of this avalanche, that's the way it felt to me. It's just like everything crumbled around my life. And I just wanted to get away from that. But the thing is, when you're in an avalanche, um the if you wait until the avalanche is over you're probably not getting out you have to start yeah. swimming in that avalanche and and i've i've read about things and and you know people with survival uh, uh knowledge they say once like in an avalanche of snow you actually swim through the moving snow and you can move through it while it's still going and you can get to the top but once it stops now you're digging you're just yeah. digging out and that can take forever. Um, and, and so I'm glad I started digging when I did. Um, and sadly it took an avalanche to get my attention. Um, <laughs> but I think for a lot of us, it does, it takes, takes a, a lot because uh, I was just managing until then I was able, like you said, you know, you were functional as long as I was still able to function. It's like, why change anything? This is pretty good. You know, it's yeah. stressful. And, yeah. but I figured out all the problems, so I must be good. Um, so, yeah.
Well, what are you doing now, James? Uh, you talked before the break about uh, uh, this Crossworks thing, and uh, I see your hat on there. You've got a Recovery Live hat. Talk to about uh, what's going on in James's world now. Well, when, when I um, was approached to retire, um, you know, they asked some of us to do early out retirements uh, at Prison Fellowship. I was kind of thinking, what you know, I wasn't ready for that when they approached <laughs> us, number one. But um, I started praying about it and talking to my wife and, and, and saying, you know, what am I going to do this next next step? I knew I definitely knew I wanted to stay in recovery and do stuff inside. That never changed. That never wavered for me. I mean, I, I wasn't looking at, you know, going to Walmart, being a greeter or anything like that. I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to stick in uh, in the field of, of restoration and recovery. So um, I just prayed about it and um, ended up. You know, during the time that I was uh, running the partnership programs inside, I met a lot of different groups outside that were doing some neat things. And so what I did was I ended up starting my own company called Crossworks Resources, just started up an LLC, uh, and it's geared around restoration, recovery, and uh, reentry. And so uh, I, what I did was aligned myself up with some partners. I, I contacted some partners that I was working with inside and asked them, uh, you know, would you be willing to let me help integrate your programs into uh, areas that you may not be in or on the West Coast? Because a lot of them didn't have West Coast presence. So I approached them that way because I had a lot of sales background prior. You know, I, I didn't say that in my testimony, but um, I had 25 years before I got into ministry of uh, being a sales engineer for a, a systems integration company. So I learned a lot about field sales and territorial sales and, and how to deal with customers and companies. And so I wanted to bridge that experience with what I learned in the recovery, reentry, and restoration area. And so I started the company Crossworks. And um, it's going really well. I, I aligned myself up with um, a recovery program which is Recovery Alive. Uh, and then I also aligned myself up with another program called Desert Waters and their unique program. They're out of Colorado and Desert Waters uh, runs um, curriculum and programming for staff in correctional uh, in correctional areas, the staff wellness and fulfillment, because oh. they, you know, they have a lot of issues that they deal with on a daily basis. And a lot of that carries on home to their their families. So there's a lot of issues. Um, so, you know, it was like behavioral, mental issues, physical challenges, health challenges. But what a lot of these come in, the other one I did was called Ace Overcomers. They're out of, out of California and they target youth facilities and youth programs uh, to expose the kids to dealing with their grief and trauma that was onset at their youth and how that pushed them into substance abuse and other, you know, mental illness problems and those kind of you know, dealing with life problems. But what I noticed with these programs is they never had, they don't link the 12 step process to it. Um, they get the cognitive side of the counseling and the mental health stuff, but a lot of these programs don't link uh, or see the value of adding a 12 step process to that. Uh, and, and I learned that through the celebrate recovery process. And, and, and so I felt, Hey, um, Let's let's go in when I went in to sell these things to corrections or, or or jails or whatever. I said, here's the here's the core program to work with your staff and the kids or the adults. 
But here's a 12-step program that we can add to that uh, when they get out or um, during the st- that the staff can use right now to deal with their 12-step issues. You know, everybody's got hurts, habits, and hangups, um, and uh, this was a, a way to bridge that together. So I, I came up with that solution, and it's working really well. I'm starting to get a lot of traction. With that. Is the lack of 12-step presence uh, a resistance toward a faith-based program, or is it because they see it as drugs and alcohol and you can't admit that that's a problem? Or have you been able to identify why there's a reluctance to have that 12-step integration? I think it's a, I think it's both of those issues that you mentioned. And there's a stigma. There's always a stigma. Even when you start a, a 12-step program in a church or something, there's always a stigma that it's just about alcohol and drugs, yeah. not about sexual addiction or anger or whatever. But what I think it is, is just a... a uh, they just didn't, the, the cognitive side focuses so much on that uh, thinking and mental health, mental health aspect. They forget about actually taking them through the, putting them in a group and doing the actual 12 step process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, and, and I'm finding that to be one of the best selling points of combining recovery alive and or celebrate recovery even with these other programs that are going on in these institutions. To, to, to give them that, that I think that the 12 step fulfills and completes the pie, completes the whole picture of yeah. being able to deal with the 12 steps on a separate basis. I don't yeah. know if that makes sense, but. Um, no, it, it does. You know, I, I, so many people, I think there's an ignorance about what 12 steps are, but people are ignorant to their ignorance because they think they know it because they've seen enough TV that they know, okay, uh, there's a smoke-filled room, there's bad coffee, and uh, you say you're an alcoholic and they all yell your name at you. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and it's so much more than that. But they, I think because they think they've got that, it's like, well, all right, I don't need that. So we're good and we just put it off to the side. And uh, even, you know, I mean, as I've been doing recovery programs in various churches for 20 years, and I know that initially a lot of pastors are excited oh yeah something to help our people but inviting them to come like oh no no no, no i don't want to do that and and yeah. you know we're still i i think you know those people and i i remember going we used to take our our leadership team down to saddleback every once in a while you know take a trip to mecca and just go on a friday night to see what it looks like on a big scale yeah, and the first time we did that happened to be around Christmas time, and uh, they had been kicked out of the big room and were down in a tent. And I had a conversation with uh, uh, John Baker, and he was, you know, yeah, well, even here, you know, we're on staff, but we're still those people, and we don't get to have it because they need to have their Christmas party. And yeah, uh, you know, it's just I that was an eye opener for me because I was like, okay, you go to the founder you know, place of this and you're still fighting those battles. So it made it feel better to me that, all right, I'm just always going to fight those battles. You know, I, I live in a desert. It's always going to be hot. Complaining about the heat is just ignorant. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's so true. I mean, if you, if you look back at the history through AA, I mean, a lot of those things were done in basements or in closets, you know, yeah. I mean, they, they're yeah. separate, you know, they go to that, go to that dark room over there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if you look at recovery now, recovery programs now, it's come a long way. It's a lot better. It's a lot more in the yes. open. Um, and it's not, they're starting to realize, and I think Celebrate Recovery was a big, big, big push for that, uh, breaking the stigma of it's just about alcohol and drugs. 
So you're running your your uh, RA program now. Uh, how can people in Bakersfield get involved with that? How can they uh, contact or get more uh, information about uh, finding a meeting around them or uh, or wherever they happen to be? How can people yeah. get involved? We have uh, Recovery Live. We started it. Um, actually, we went live with our program at North Heights Baptist Church uh, about three months ago. So it's on Thursday nights. Uh, and from that, we started a recovery uh, community a current recovery community Facebook page. Um, so we, we, we shoot our stuff live. So we have live um, Facebook uh, meetings at night on Thursdays. We record those. So they're available on, on the website. But then we're also starting to build. It's growing because I'm a national coach. Debbie and I are national coaches for Recovery Alive. Um, so we're, we're starting. There's like four other churches now that are starting Recovery Alive here. So it's growing. Uh, it's kind of growing like Celebrate Recovery. Um, so uh, it's a national movement. There's um, there's stuff going on all over the place. You know, uh, we've, we've got reps now or national coaches pretty much in all regions. Um, so we have a website, uh, recoverylive.com. Uh, they can go to, and if they're interested in running recovery or learning more about it, they fill out a web form and then the national coach will contact them and, and get them going. I've got, I've, one I'm working with in Colorado that just uh, signed on. Um, got some in Texas going. It's starting to grow pretty good. It's going really well. Excellent. So um, what's next? I'm just plugging away at the business, keeping uh, CrossWorks going. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it until uh, God says I can't do it anymore. You know, I've looked uh, a, a lot of times in my concordance in the Bible and I don't see the word retirement in there. So <laughs> I'm not ready to go yet until God calls me uh, to, to to stop and relax. You know, I've been doing um, recovery ministries with my wife for 48 years. Uh, she's a big part of it. So um, we, we do it together, which makes yeah. it nice. Uh, and, you know, like you and your wife do. Um, so she's very involved in what we do at CrossWorks and, and Recovery Alive especially. So awesome. I'm just going to keep on keeping on. Awesome. So good to hear that. And thanks for doing this. Um, check out, uh, it's recoveryalive.com? Yes. Okay. If you and crossworksresources.com. Crossworksresources.com. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. James, thanks so much for doing this. People, don't forget, uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can call me at 760-608-1942. That works for text as well. I just sit here doing nothing all day long. I'm, I'm chilling in Hawaii, we'll go to the beach in a little bit, but I got my phone on me. So if you want to talk to me and hear some ocean waves, that'll be great. Uh, you can email me at bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget uh, that uh, our word of the week gets you 10 bonus points every single time you use it. And that word of the week this week is excoriate. So go get yourself some bonus points and impress your family with your awesome vocabulary. And uh, last uh, thing is, do the text to give text the word mom to 760 walls ca that's 925-5722 to uh, join the nehemiah project help us build the walls of our building and get into the walls of uh, the prisons here in california james thanks so much for everything that uh, you've done and blessings thanks for having me you. and uh people we will see you next time we mess it up Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info 
at MessItUpPodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up.